Happy birthday. Happy 10th birthday on a cold morning. It is cold. It was cold outside yesterday. I opened the door to let the dog out and uh, she, she goes out. I was like, whoo, close that thing. Good night. It was cold outside. And, uh, you know, you know, it's bad. You know, the dog's got like covered in fur. You know, it's bad when the dog goes to the door and goes, you know, like that. that. That's the way it's been recently a couple of times. So I was like, man. Or the cat. A uh, cat's funny. Man, the, that is my girl. The, the cat was like, man, she's been putting on some weight. Our cat, I don't know what she's been doing, but somehow she's been putting on some weight. I picked her up and put her outside the other day, and I was like, good Lord, girl, here. Mm, uh. <laughs> you know, let me just work out, you know. And uh, I went to put her outside, and uh, I opened the door. She's like, ur, ur, uh-uh, no. She was like, whoa. I was like, she's hiding somewhere. So anyway. Uh, we just welcome you. I'm glad we get, didn't get all the snow and ice that they were looking. I know just in Greensboro, we had some friends that they had to cancel their service. So praise God that we get to be here this morning. And uh, happy birthday to you. Uh, ten years ago, amen. Ten years ago, we were sitting in our living room with, with a few people, with a handful of people. And uh, the Lord has blessed us. Amen. I'm just thinking, you know, we got kids being ministered to in, in other wings of the building. <laughs> Lord, that just sounds good. Other wings, you know, and uh, glory, huh? Multiple classes. Yeah. Amen. I saw one of the pictures that blessed me the best on Facebook this week was a picture of the, the kids upstairs in our house and around the little. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we had the door upstairs. Like we had a hook up way up high. So the kids couldn't undo it and roll down the stairs. That would have been a bad Sunday morning. And, uh, so there was all these things, but I saw a picture of the kids sitting around the table and, uh, it was just awesome. So anyway, we'll talk some more about that. I want to talk to you this morning, uh, about our birthday and who we are, our vision, our history and our ministry. And, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, the Lord, at the beginning of 2017, the Lord gave us a new vision, uh, Boomerang Church, a house of love and prayer, living in abundance, winning souls and making disciples for Jesus. And when he gave us that, things just started taking off. I mean, they just, they changed. Uh, how can two walk together unless they agree? And it's with vision that we make plain that we can run together. We can run with vision. And God gave us new vision in that time. It was time for us to step to the next level in Boomerang. And this year is one of those years as well. It's not, uh, we're operating with that same new vision, uh, but it's new doors have opened because we've been obedient to step into that vision. And uh, so one of the things that I was looking at here, and uh, you should have, everybody have handouts. If you don't, just raise your hand. They'll get it to you. I wanted to look at this, a house of love. Why do we want to be at Boomerang, a house of love? And if you look at, let's look at 1 John 4.16. John 4, 16. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. Now, have we come to know the love that God has for us? 
I, I would say we have, but yet isn't there some more that we can be learning about God? But what we know so far, you know, God is so deep. And Paul talks about it. He goes, all oh, the depths. You know, and, and part of in writing that, all oh, the depths and the riches of God. He was saying, how, how are we going to search out every part of God? How are we going to do it? But yet what we've seen so far, here's what we know, is what it says next. We have come to know the love that God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God and God in him. The one who abides in love abides in God. And God in him. We declare we want to be a house, Boomerang Church, a house that abides in God, that abides in the love of God. And, and if we want to put on God, if we're, if we're living this life correctly, then love should be a part of who we are. We're made in his image and likeness so that we can do the things that he, has, he is, that he has called us to do, that he's called us to be. We don't want to just say, oh yeah, we're made of God and, and, and we're part of his family, but we never do what he does. We never are who he is. We're just a part of the family, but I'm not we're not like him. That's not what it's about. Our whole goal is to grow up into the fullness of the stature of Christ. This is defines what church is over in Ephesians chapter 4. This is why Jesus, when he ascended on high, he gave gifts to men that through those gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, that we would grow up to the fullness of the stature of Christ for the work of ministry. And so if we're going to grow up into the fullness of who Christ is, then we should start looking like him. And the number one quality to look like Christ is because he looked like the father and the father is love. And if we don't have love, we're missing it. Matter of fact, there was a poll done not, not too long ago, some years ago now, but still not too long ago. And they said they had polled people, what's the number one thing missing in church? And one of the number one things, if not the first thing, was love. That is horrible, terrible. And we want to be known as a house of love. One of the, one of the most... Uh, probably one of the biggest comforts that I have is if I'm ever inviting somebody to church, I know that when they walk in this door, they're going to be met by love by you guys. I know that love is in your heart. I know that you're going to put on the character and nature and the actions of love. And I can confidently send the most wretched person in here and they're going to find in this, in this area and they're going to find love when they walk through these doors. You know, I, they're going to find the love of God as they walk in. That's what we want to see. That's who we want to be. God is love. Now, look at this next. A house of love. We want to be known as a house of love. And listen, we don't want just all of us say, oh, yes, we're a house of love. You know, no, no, no. And, and nobody outside these doors thinks that way. We don't want to just be, oh, yeah, they, good job. You're, we're a house of love. Hey, 
Congratulations, Boomerangian. You're a, you're a person of love. Glory to God. And then we just keep patting each other on the back. No, 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 no. We want to be known outside the doors. Known as a house of love. Not just a house of love because we think it, but other people think it too. It's a testimony. It's a witness. And, and I've heard people say, even outside the church, well, if they go to Boomerang, they're going to be loved over there. Yeah. Right? That's what we want to be known for. That's the kind of stuff we want to be known for. And not just, not just talk about it. It needs to be in action. If you look at this, uh, John 13, 35, the Gospel of John 13, 35. It says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, you will be known as a disciple by that love. Are we known by that love? Are we known by that love? Now, you have to understand there's sometimes you was Jesus known by his love. Yeah. Well, what do you think about the money changers, how they think about them? Would, would, they, <laughs> would they think he was just as loving as we do? Man, he whipped me. I saw him over in the corner fashioning the whip, thinking about it, premeditated, beating me up. But was that love? It was. It was some hard love, but it was love according to worldly thinking. See, love doesn't always do what the world thinks love would do. But at the same time, you'll know, this is, this is what I've seen over the years, is people, they'll get mad at me, that then they'll come back. And, and one of the things that will happen is they'll say, Brian, you've always been straight with me. And you've always told me what this word says. And this word is love. I knew I could rely on you to give me an unbiased answer. Right? That's what love will be. Love will uphold this truth, and if they will continue in that word and know the truth, that truth will set them free. It, love always takes you to the place of freedom. And what they didn't know that day was those money changers, they were binding the people up in a bondage, and the truth was setting them free. Not only the people, but the money changers themselves, if they would have humbled themselves to what Jesus was trying to get across. In other words, Love, listen, don't just, don't just uh, apply love by how you feel. Love is what you stand for. Love is the choice and the commitments that you make. And we want to be known as a house of love. Look, I might not agree. You know, I can see somebody saying, I might not agree with every doctrine that Boomerang believes, but I can tell you this, they will stand up for the Bible and what they believe the Bible says, and they will not back down from it, and they will see the power of God manifested. And they'll be winning souls, they'll be making disciples, and they'll be walking in the freedom. And if you ever need somebody, if you need the power of God in your life, just get in touch with one of those boomerang folks. Because they believe in the love of God and the love made manifest and they walk in it. They are a people of love. Look, Jesus said this, we're supposed to be known for our love. Not just we think it. Like, forget about all of you telling me that, that you think I walk in love. 
Uh, we're family, you know. I mean, my mom and, and my brother and, and Miss Gina, his, his wife's here today. Thank y'all, love y'all and everything. But look, if my mom tells me I do a good job on something, I appreciate and everything, but she's supposed to. She's my mom, right? <laughs> she's supposed to tell me I'm doing a good job. And even if sometimes it stinks. Now, she doesn't always do that, but, but she'll tell me the truth. But she's my mom. Y'all, we're supposed to be family here. I want to hear it from the people that don't like me. I want to be known by people that don't like, hey, he'll walk in love. He'll walk in those things. And I might not agree with everything I, he, I think he does, but he'll treat you fairly and he'll, he'll treat you based on the word of God. That's the way. We should be known outside the walls as a house of love. Jesus said this, going on into the next part of it, Isaiah 56, 7. Isaiah 56, 7. Just looking at the last part of that verse, Isaiah 56, 7 says... For my house will be called a house of prayer for all the peoples. Now Jesus repeats this. Actually, he's talking about the money changers uh, eventually. He repeats this over in the New Testament, red letters. He said, my house will be known and called a house of prayer. And he says, but you've turned it away from prayer and turned it into a den of thieves. You turn it into a robber's den. And so, but you see right here and then in the New Testament too, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost say, my house should be called a house of prayer. I know when the Lord was fashioning this new vision, a house of love and prayer, something that he brought up to me. He said, Brian, is Boomerang known as a house of prayer? Because if you're not known as a house of prayer, and then he asked me this question, are you my house? Whew, yeah, that's what, that's what I did. I went, oh. He said, are you my house if you're not known as a house of prayer? We should be known as a house of prayer. What does that mean? Well, we need to pray. <laughs> Let's get real simple. There needs to be some prayer time that happens. In other words, prayer shouldn't just be one time a week. We should be known as a house of prayer. My, ha my house will be a house of prayer for all people, a house of prayer. In other words, and, and here's another thing about prayer. Prayer is not just a wishing and a hoping in a luck sort of way. Prayer is designed as a communication between you and the Father, the creator of the universe, and it's supposed to have results. And this is a problem in our American church today is there's a whole bunch of quote unquote praying, but there's no results because the people have not attached their heart and their faith to their prayers. And the problem is, the truth is, they really don't know the character of God's love for them. They don't know that God is not withholding any good thing from those who walk uprightly. They don't know him as healer. They don't know him as deliverer and restore. And so when they pray, they're not 
not even addressing that character and nature of an all-loving God. When we pray, we're supposed to see great and mighty results. Matter of fact, over in James chapter 5 in the Amplified, it talks about this, that when you pray a fervent, heartfelt, connected, heart-connected prayer, it says the prayer of faith, a fervent prayer releases tremendous power in the Amplified. It brings it out. When you pray, it releases tremendous power, dynamic in its working. That's the kind of prayer I'm talking about. I'm talking about we go to praying and stuff moves in the spiritual and stuff moves in the atmosphere, in the area. And stuff moves. Thing, in, in other words, no, devil, you can't hang around here. There's praying church. There's praying people over there. And they know who God is. And they know how to get in touch with because they know his character and nature. And when they talk to God, he listens. That's the kind of relationship we're supposed to. I'm talking about a house of prayer. So, you know, here's the thing. When we say that and we're going forward now, if I say, hey, the Lord has called us to pray at noontime, you know, for the next three weeks. If we're going to be a house of prayer, it's got to be somebody besides just me and Nicole showing up at noon. Right. Or else are we a house? Are we a house? If we if we don't do that, are we actually a house? We need to decide, hey, that's who I am. I'm a part of that house. I'm a part of the house of prayer that sees things done in my city, in my county, in my area. We are a house of prayer and we're known as that. I remember this. This blessed me so much because we'd had this vision going on a little bit. And uh, for a little bit of time, and uh, Priscilla and Deb and and Barrett, you went up to Impact. Was that all of us? Was there anybody else there? Yeah. And so anyway, we went up to Impact, and and we're sitting there, and uh, they were we were talking about we have Impact University, and we were talking about going forward, what it looked like, and everything. And uh, they said, well, before we begin, let's just let's just pray, and. Uh, <laughs> And so we, we were sitting around a conference table with their leadership up at the, uh, the home campus at Agape. And there, and there was us from Boomerang. And we were talking about that. He said, Let us, let's just pray. And, and, he, and here's what he did. He went, the leader of it, he said, Lord, we just, and I don't know exactly what words he used to start, but he started in English like this. Lord, we just, and about that time, all the people from Boomerang was like, and they started praying in the Holy Ghost. And again, the guy goes, well, he said, I was going to get there, but let's just jump on in. And I went, glory to God. And I went, man, we just became known, at least in that circle, as a house of prayer. Because they knew these people know how to pray like we were going to ease into it because you have to ease into it with so many Christians. But they said, no, we just we were there. We were like, whoa, full throttle, you know, and uh, and they were like, wow. And it blessed them because they have to ease into it with so many people. But we were just we we're ready to go. Let's pray. I mean, my goodness, let's not waste time. All right. A house of love and prayer. Are we known? As a house of love, are we known as a house of prayer? A house of love and a house of prayer. This is who we are to be. Living in abundance. Living in abundance. Now this is a huge statement. There's so much stuff in this one statement that most people look at that and they just think money. 
It's, it is money, but it's not just money. It's so much more. Living in abundance. We're talking about, I want to be not just, not just the preachers living in abundance, the people live in abundance. Yeah. Where, where like last year when we made it a focus to be out of debt, you know, over $950,000 worth of debt supernaturally erased. And that, that figure has continued since then. In 12 months, over 950000 in this body and, and people that are connected to it, partners and members of this body, $950,000 of debt in one year? That is supernatural. That's a, how can you move to abundance when you're in debt? How can you do it? Just talking about uh, money. How the Lord said in the Old Testament that you are to be the lender and not the borrower. The lender and not the borrower. How can you lend if you are in debt? You don't have anything to lend if you're in debt. If you're going to be the lender, the ongoing lender, you got to be out of debt. And how can you lend if you don't have abundance? You have to be in abundance to be the lender. That's Old Testament blessing. For sure, we should be walking in it in the New Testament through Christ. We should be walking in such an abundance that we have the overflow. And if we decide that we want to be the lender, it's easy for us because of that abundance. Well, that abundance flows over. When God sends the blessing, it is not just talking about finances. That's included. But it's the blessing in every area. They're blessed with favor. They're blessed, uh, they're blessed with ideas. They're blessed with the wisdom of God. They're blessed with the anointing of God. You, The anointing overflows. See, this is what was going on with the apostles over in Acts. The anointing was in such abundance in their life that it started to overflow on people so that all they wanted to do was just get me in shadow distance so that the anointing that's on them would start to overflow in their lives and they could sense the anointing. It was so, there was a spear of the abundance of God in them. This this is supposed to be a reality in every believer, not just the preachers, not just the minister, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, who says, I am in Christ and he is in me and I walk in an abundance. Do you believe in that abundance in your life today? This is where, have you challenged yourself by faith to stretch out and say, Lord, I believe you that the overflow will start to flow in me. That I'll start to overflow. When I get around people, they'll just be hit by the anointing of God. Bad things will try to come up and they'll get stopped by an invisible wall because there's an overflow. There's an abundance of the anointing of God operating inside of me. See, it's time for believers to see what's actually given to them in the word. And this is what Paul was praying in Ephesians 1. He was saying, look, I pray that your eyes of understanding be enlightened, that you may know, basically, I'm going to paraphrase it, that you may know just what you got your hands on, what's inside of you already by the resurrection power of God. You have an inheritance and do you even know the width and the depth of your inheritance? Because if you don't know it, you won't reach out to grab a hold of it. It's an abundance. It's an abundance. I want to see an abundance on every person in this place where if you are not called into ministry but called into the marketplace,
marketplace. You step into your job and all of a sudden the anointing and the favor of God that rests on you causes business to rise up like Joseph in Potiphar's house. Like him, it's in the jail. Things just work around you. Why? Because you live in an abundance. An abundance overflows you. That abundance of Christ. Where now, and here's why. Here's why. Why do you want to live in abundance? Because an abundance preaches. An abundance proclaims something. An abundance does what Nicole was saying. An abundance says this. It says, they got a hold of something and I don't know what it is, but I need it. Whatever it is is on them. I need it in my life. And so people start asking you, what's going on with you? What's going on? And now the word says you have to give an account for the hope that is within you. That's the way it's supposed to work. That what's in your life manifesting draws people to say, what do you have that I don't? Because whatever you have, I need it in my life. This is a plan of God put into the word to draw people evangel evangelistically, draw them into the place where they start saying, you're not even hunting them down, they're hunting you down. But see, we've got to believe that as believers. We've got to know who we are and what we've been given or else we'll never walk in it. How can you apply faith to something that you're ignorant about, that you don't know of? If you don't know that it's there, then you'll never reach for it. And it's reaching for it by faith that gives you the ability to grab hold of it and move into that place. It is, this is the victory that overcomes the world or the lack that's in the world. Even our faith. And faith is an action term that grabs a hold of that and draws yourself into that place. If you don't know that you're called to live in an abundance, then all you'll do is stuff will hit you and lack will hit you and all kinds of junk and garbage will hit you and you'll go, well, that's just life. That's just the way the cookie crumbles. To one step forward and two steps back and you'll be okay with it. But see, when you know that you are called to live in an abundance and I go to a church where people live in abundance and you know that when the devil feeds you and tries to pass over the plate of lack across the table, you'll be like, get that mess out of here. I am not eating those spiritual asparagus and Brussels sprouts. Give me some meat in Jesus name. Give me something that tastes good. I don't, I'm not putting up with that garbage, right? I don't want all that food. I want, I, want, I want the food that is good. That I don't want the milk. I want the meat, right? This, if you don't know that you have this, if you don't know that you have abundance, I'm talking about you'll be in the middle of your work. The favor of God will be on you. All of a sudden things will start to go well. They'll start to say, lean on them. They're moving in something. I don't know what it is, but lean on them. They just know what to do when bad stuff happens. They just know what to do when good stuff happens. Lean on them. And, and we know you're living in an abundance. You're living in an abundance. That's what you're called to do. And so you start to move into that place where you're living in an abundance. And here's the thing. You don't live in an abundance by bowing to the world on the way up. 
You don't move. If this top step represents abundance, you don't move to that abundance by on the way bowing to the devil and his ways. That's not how you get to that top step. You get to that top step by bowing to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, by being obedient, by being willing and obedient, applying faith, doing the things that God's called you to do. And then you step into that place of abundance and the things that you bow to on the way to it, you'll bow to when you get up here. If you bowed to Christ to get up here, then you're going to bow to him here. Now who's getting the glory? Because the world will see the blessing on your life and they'll say, he's giving glory to God. Maybe I can be blessed because they don't care about God, but they do care about the blessing. Maybe I can be blessed if I'll learn to give my life to Christ too. And it provokes them to say, maybe it's bigger than what this school system taught me on the way up. Maybe it's bigger than the world and the news and the politics. Maybe God is real. Maybe there's something to this. Amen. We're called to live in an abundance. Why? Look at this verse. Nicole read it earlier. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says this. God is able to make all grace, not just come to you, but abound to you. So that always, not sometimes, look at all the absolutes in this verse. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. God is able. He's able. You know, when you're at home and you start thinking, the devil starts telling you what you're not, can't do. Well, you can't do this. You can't do that. That right there snares more believers than anything else because they don't understand that God can do all things. And I can do all things through him. With God, all things are possible. So they say this, I can't, we can't. And you need to get this on your mouth and in your mind and in your heart more than that. God is able. He is able. He is able able. God is able. He's able. We talked last week about 20 million souls, winning 20 million souls in 20 years. 20 million souls. Listen, when the Lord gave that to me and dropped that in my spirit, we were talking about it at men's group the other night because Justin said, when you said 20 million, he thought, I don't know about that, Pastor. (laughs) And And I told him, I said, that's the same thing I thought when he told me. I went, ugh. That's a big number. 20 million. How are we going to do that in Albemarle? How are we going to do that? Because God is able. Because God is able. God is able. All he needed was somebody who would open themselves up to the idea that it was possible. And when, you, when I started opening myself up to the idea that it was possible, you'd be amazed at the stuff he started dropping in my spirit. I couldn't see it before, but I had to know God is able. And when I started allowing my thinking to grow bigger, he started dropping how to do it in my system. And now we've got a plan to make it happen, and it, we're on track. We're ahead of it. We're ahead of what he's given us to do. We're ahead of that. He started dropping it in our in my system. God is able. God is able. Well, now you shouldn't be beat back by a big idea. You ought to be going, how are we going to do it? Right? See, uh, John the Baptist's dad, he said, your son's going to be John the Baptist, basically, and then Jesus is coming. And John the Baptist's dad's like, how's that going to happen? But it was in fear. Right? But Mary... The mother of Jesus got presented with basically the same idea. And she asked almost a similar question, but the heart was different. She was like, how's this going to happen? 
And when she realized God is able, I just, I'm looking forward to seeing how he does it. This is going to be amazing. Then the ability was dropped in. John the Baptist's father, he was chastised for it. Mary was exhorted for it. Good job, Mary. Yeah, we're going to see. See, we've got to get to the place where we recognize God is able. Stop thinking we can't. Stop thinking it's not possible. Think bigger. Think bigger. Think bigger. God is able. This is all abundance that we're talking about. God is able. Now look, look again at these verses. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, look at all these absolutes. God is able to make what? Some grace? All grace. Uh, Get a little bit to you? No, abound to you. Abound to you. How much? A little bit of grace. Abound? No, all grace. Abound. All grace. Abound. So that sometimes having a little bit of sufficiency? No, that always having some sufficiency? No, all sufficiency. My voice is cracking. Oh, oh, amen. Sometimes having a little bit of sufficiency. No, all sufficiency in some things. No, everything, everything. So that you may have an abundance. That you may have just enough. That you may have almost enough. No, that you may have enough and more for a few good deeds. No, every good deed. Do you realize that as Christians, according to this verse, we're supposed to be walking through life and when a deed, a good deed is presented in front of us that we are supposed to play a part in, that we are supposed to have an abundance for everything we need every single time? Every single time. How many of us have experienced that? Every time. Not me. What does that show us? That there's some more I need to grab a hold of, draw to myself by faith. I need to see this in the word. I need to let it speak to me. I need to let it draw my thinking higher. I need to let it draw me to new places. You know, if I just said words like millionaire, billionaire, that blows a lot of the church out of their thinking. And they just don't have an idea of how big God is. God wants to bless you with abundance, all grace, all the time, in everything. He wants you to have an abundance for every good deed, every good work, not just some, everyone, everything I come across that I'm supposed to be connected to, I am supposed to, by the word of God, have an abundance for every good deed. Oh, good deed. There, that's met. Oh, good deed. Oh, that's met. Oh, good deed. Got plenty. He just keeps on pouring it. He keeps on pouring it. It's an abundance. It's an abundance. Glory to God. You got to grab a hold of that for yourself. You got to make it yours. We're not just supposed to be a house of love and prayer. God's given us a vision to be a house of abundance. That you would be the leaders in this area. That there's nothing that happens in this area that doesn't come through the hearts and the minds of the people that are sitting in this church. That these, this group of people, they decide spiritually what comes, what goes. They decide who's getting the glory in this area. This is all a part of abundance. We're supposed to be living in abundance Proverbs 10.22 says this, It's the blessing of the Lord that makes rich, and He adds no sorrow to it. Is He talking about money? Yes. Is that the only thing He's talking about? No. You're rich in joy. You're rich in peace. 
You're rich in grace. You're rich in wisdom. You're rich in every good thing, every good gift. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variableness nor shadow of turning. You are rich in every single one of those things. You recognize that God wants you rich in every aspect of himself, and you walk in it. Can you imagine if you actually were rich in every one of those things? You'd be walking through, and the devil try to throw something at you, and you You'd be like, whatever, devil. And you'd just be walking. Why? Because you're in such an abundance. There's a thing uh, in some mechanics called positive pressure, like positive air pressure. For example, if we had positive air pressure in this sanctuary, then it would be pushing air through those doors into the foyer and through those doors because there was more pressure in here than there was in those other rooms. We're supposed to be filled with a positive grace pressure of all God's abundance so that no matter what comes at us before they even get to us they feel the positive pressure of the glory of God and it overflows them with blessings and pushes back every curse this is how no weapon formed against you shall prosper this is this is how every fiery dart is quenched because you are overflowing in a positive pressure of God's glory that nothing can come and approach you and if it tries to it just gets stopped it'll try It'll try all day long. It'll try all night long. But it can't do it because you are a people overflowing in abundance. And God adds no sorrow to it. How many people do you know that are wealthy in the world but they're full of sorrow? That is not God's plan. His plan is do it my way. You'll have everything that you need. Everything that your heart desires because I'll put those desires there and you'll have no sorrow with it. This is God's plan for every believer. We are a house of abundance. Winning souls. Proverbs 11.30 says this. He who wins souls is wise. He who wins souls is wise. And, and just you can tell your neighbors, say, we're not going to be a dumb church. <laughs> say, I'm not dumb. You dumb? Don't answer that or just say or say no. Well, if you're not dumb, that means we're winning souls. If we're not ignorant, we're winning souls. We're winning souls because he who wins souls is wise. If I'm not winning souls, guess what? (laughs) I'll let you figure it out. Guess what? We got to be about winning souls. This is the heartbeat of God in this time. In this era, in this time on earth, this is the heartbeat of God. Everything focuses on winning souls. Because this is the time. This is the time that the harvest is white for harvest. It's ready for the reaping. Jesus said it. Now is the time. And see, you, you've got to be that if you get pricked, if you get poked, winning souls comes out of you. Is it in you so much so that it just comes out of you? Because see, he who wins souls is wise. I mean, if you just get tweaked the wrong way, do you just go right there to winning souls? I mean, just I, it ought to be. So that when you, they bring you the wrong food and the wrong temperature at the restaurant, the first thing you think of is, all right, then, who am I going to win to the Lord? Devil trying to attack my food. Yep. 
That as soon as you get tweaked, you stop thinking about your rights on stuff and you start thinking, what's, what's number one on the heart of God right now? Let's win a soul. Are you tweet? I'm challenging myself right now. Are you at the place where no matter what happens to you, the first thing you think is we're winning souls? See, this is wisdom. This is wisdom. Now, I can tell that we've grown in that area, obviously, but have we arrived? No. No, the truth is most of the church today has been basically, let, I'm going to lean on the outreach events, but people aren't doing it in whole as individuals. Well, outreach events are good, but if we're not individually winning souls, then we're not paying attention to this first. And we want to be a church with a vision who says that we are winning souls for Christ. We're making the priorities of God our priorities. And if we get tweaked, I'm thinking about who can I, who can I lead to commit more today? You know, everybody in America thinks they're going to heaven for the most part. Uh, you know, uh, most people think that. So don't even argue about whether or not they're going to heaven. Just lead them to commit today to Christ fresh. Commit today to Christ again fresh. And in Him we live and move and have our being. In Jesus, this is our supply of abundance. Hey, you need, you need this. If somebody comes and asks me for prayer, one of the first things I do is I say, you know what? Here's the thing. Let's say they're asking for healing then, or for their friend or whatever. I'll say, you know, healing is in fellowship and relationship with God. When he bore those sins and sicknesses on that cross, he said that if you will get in me, in him we live. We have life to the full till it overflows. In him we live. If you will get in Christ and get in fellowship and union with him, that sickness cannot stay. God's not sitting up on the throne. <coughs> uh, Sniffling. God's not there. And you're, we're supposed to be in Him and He in us. That means if we're in Him and He in us, sickness has no place here whatsoever. By those stripes, we were healed. This thing's done away with. You, the devil's trying to put symptoms on you. But it all flows out of fellowship and relationship with Him. So somebody asked me for prayer. I say, look, here, here's what we need. Let's renew that commitment today with the Lord. And that's the first thing. Let's, let's be winning souls, making those commitments to Christ fresh, whether they've ever known him before or not, today is the day for them to connect with him, to connect with the overflowing abundant power and love of God. And so we lead them to a new fresh connection. Well, that's just it. If there's a new fresh connection of power in that outlet over there and I plug in and I turn on the light, what happens? The light that I need, the glory that I need will come. What you need is to get plugged in again. See, this is an easy way. Somebody asks you for prayer. It's an easy way to start leading them to the Lord. The question is, when you get poked or tweaked, what's coming out of you? What are you full of? Are you full of wisdom to win souls? Let's be a house that, I mean, I can't stop you from winning souls. Yeah. I can't talk you out of it, much less the devil with fear. But I can't talk you out of it. you got souls on your heart and your mind everywhere you go. I remember one time, you know, uh, our grandfather, uh, Papa. He, uh, my understanding is I didn't know him like this. I was grandson, so I got treated nice, but I didn't know. But I think my mom can attest to it. He was pretty much a wicked man. 
And I know this as a testimony that when he got born again, people got born again just because he got born again. They're like, if Jesus can touch him, he's obviously a miracle worker, right? And there were people that would get born again. I remember one day going to a McDonald's and we were sitting there. Once he got born again, his heart after the heart of God was so strong and we couldn't go somewhere without him telling somebody about his sweet Jesus. We could not go somewhere. He'd talk to people right there in the McDonald's line. He didn't care. He'd talk to them right there in the McDonald's line. The lady's taking our orders like, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? That, that changed me as a person. It drew me. And why? Because he was, he was so touched with the love of God that he moved by the heart of God. And the heart of God is to win souls. This is why people that win souls are wise. He tells Timothy, look, Timothy. Timothy, as a church, I'm telling you as a pastor, Paul says, Timothy, I'm telling you as a pastor and I'm telling you as a church, do the work of an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. Let's, let, me, let, me, let me slow it down. Do the work. It's work being a Christian. Don't shy away from that. It's work. Just go ahead and accept it. It's work. But see, you got something on your side that the world doesn't have. You have a supernatural power that when you decide that God is able, he will empower you to be who you've called, been called to be. And you will step in and say, you know what? I don't feel like doing the work. I don't feel like stepping beyond my comfort zone right now. But that person needs Jesus. The Holy Spirit's written it on my heart. I'm going to step in there even though I don't feel like it. And all of a sudden, whoom, the supernatural power of God will be there with you. And you'll win that soul. And you'll walk out of there going, glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. And you will feel so much better about yourself. Why? Because you just got wiser. You just got wiser. You just moved into that place where a house of love and prayer, living in abundance, winning souls, and making disciples for Jesus. The Word tells us this. Turn to Matthew chapter 28. So the plan was for me to preach all of this in about 15 minutes. That's going well, you can see. Matthew 28, 18. Making disciples for Jesus. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore. In other words, because this legal transaction has happened, go in all authority Go in all power, in heaven and on earth. And one of the great things to notice is if all was given to Jesus, how much was left over for the devil? So the only thing that he can do is trick you into thinking that he's got something and deceive you into doing the wrong things, using your own power and authority against yourself. And that's when he throws stuff at you like symptoms and all kinds of things and fear. And what he's trying to get you to do is move, take the authority and power that you have and misdirect it. Don't go in what's wise, but go in fear. Don't go in where healing is, but receive the symptoms. And you start to see he, all authority, Jesus, 
Jesus has and he passed it to us to run this earth the way that it's supposed to be run. And the thing that he says is, take this power and authority. I will empower you. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, making disciples, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. Our church and our ministry is here to make disciples in the name of Jesus. Colossians 3.17 says this, Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. So when we make disciples, it's for Him. When we win souls, it's for Him. When we live in abundance, it's for Him. When we move up in leadership because of that abundance, yeah. it's for Him. When, when we become known as a house of love and prayer, it's for Him. It's all for Him. It's like He's standing in front of us. We don't just do a shoddy job because uh, He's not here. No, whether He's here or anybody else is here or not. By character of Christ, we put it on just like he's standing there looking over our shoulder and we give our 100% in excellence in everything that we do. We put on faith for him, through him, and by him. We do everything that we do for him, through him, and empowered by him. This is who we are, a house of love and prayer, living in abundance, winning souls, and making disciples for Christ, making disciples for Jesus. As we stepped in, I wanted to tell you about some things that we've been doing. Uh, just a lot of people don't even know all these things, especially some of the people that have been coming new. Uh, you don't even, but some of the ministries, I just listed them out here so that you could see some of the ministries over 10 years that the Lord has now started. Super Kids Ministry. Woohoo! We've got kids. I love this. My, one of my favorite testimonies that I have is mom or dad sitting at home and they send me a note and they say, so I was dealing with this and I started coughing and my kids stood up and said, mom, dad, Jesus has paid stripes for you not to have it. Now let's pray. In Jesus' name. Super kids in Jesus' name. Like uh, kids holding our parents' feet to the fire of the flame of the gospel, right? And uh, super kids that know who they are in Christ, that don't have to go through what you went through. They know they can live in abundance from this high. They stand up and start confessing stuff when the parent forgets to, right? Super kids that can get in agreement. You can say, you can call your kids in here and say, hey, we need to agree that. That the abundance of God will now come in whatever area it needs to and the kids will come and they'll bring their faith and they got some glory to God matter of fact sometimes I'd rather have them pray and they'll start praying in faith and all of a sudden the power of God visits your house straight from heaven super kids Amen. Miss Deb oversees that and uh, her team and they're doing an awesome job of that. Our kids are growing up in knowledge of God. Then we have a blaze youth. Glory to God. A youth on fire for God. Uh, years ago we called it a blaze. Miss Barrett oversees that. Years ago we called it a blaze by the heart of God and I've not seen a time in our history yet that has been more manifesting that name in these kids. The fire of God is visiting these teenagers. So that, listen, what these teenagers need in this world today is not 
all the teaching and the classes. They need a touch of the Holy Ghost, a baptism of fire and the Holy Spirit in them that empowers them to live. And so they can say no and stand for something while everybody else is cowering away. They're moving in the power and the abundance of the Spirit of God. That's a blaze youth, and it is happening right now. The Lord is touching them right now. Life groups, you know, are one of it, a house of love and prayer, living in abundance, winning souls, and making disciples for Jesus. We need family. We need a moment where a, a man stands up and preaches to us, right? I need that as well. But we also need that time where we come together and we iron sharpens iron, where the two come together and thoughts are, are grown together. We need that time where the power of God comes. And these are our life groups with some good Holy Spirit teaching to raise us up to the fullness of the stature of Christ where we know why we're here, what we're doing, and how to be about it. And this is happening in our life groups now all over the place. Looks like we're getting ready to start a new life group over in Troy. Uh, just mon tomorrow night, we got a new life group kicking off basically in Troy from that event, that outreach event over there. It's going to be awesome. Man, the power of God showed up when we had the meeting right after Troy Fest. I mean, you're talking about people that mostly didn't go to church and the Holy Spirit visited them and they're feeling the power of God and having to take a seat. Glory to God. Knocking them back. It's, it's good to see the power of God visiting even in our homes. Amen. It is such a key ingredient. Uh, world-class ministers that come in for conferences. We, we've had, you know, Pastor Rodney Howard Brown. We've seen, we've seen Tracy Harris. We've seen Jim Hockaday. Uh, Ted, uh, Ted Shelsworth Jr. will be here in a few weeks for Kickstart. Uh, Richard Moore. We have seen some world, I'm talking about maybe the world don't know them, but I can tell you this, God knows them. God knows who they are. And they don't just come in and listen, if they're not carrying the fire of God, I don't want to minister in here. They're carrying something. They're bringing something. They're not just coming in convincing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration and power. These are the kind of people that God is opening up to bring in. And so that you're not, listen, um, I hope you think you have a decent pastor, but it's not just my voice that you need to hear. You need to hear other voices. There's other voices besides mine. And my heart is to connect you with the people that will give you the word right in time, right in season, that your life will move to those places of abundance. Yeah. The Connection Show. Every week we have a week show called Connection. You can go to connectionshow.org. Some people don't even know we've done this, but every week we have a TV, internet, and radio show. It plays on the radio every week here called Connection, where Nicole and I will sit down and we'll discuss topics of God or we'll interview somebody called Connection. There's some great teaching moments, a 30-minute show every single week. We're actually going to be taping that in just a few weeks, February 23rd, I think. And you can come and help and be a part of that taping and then watch it as it's broadcast all over the world. Uh, Boomerang Bible Academy. Now this is something new. This is just starting to form. This is where, have you ever, you, you're talking about making disciples. Disciples are this. Uh, I asked the Lord one, one time to help me define disciples. And, and he said, this is what he showed me. He said, when we're in the world 
And the world is, the world has taught us how to walk. Many times we're active, but we're not going anywhere. We're just walking in circles. And uh, we're just walking in circles. Will you come here? And uh, so, will you just walk in circles like by the world? And uh, that's what the world's taught us. But then all of a sudden what's supposed to happen is a believer comes into our life and while he sees that person walking in the circles of the world, he, the believer comes in and he takes us by the hand and he says, let me show you how to get somewhere. Amen. And so he starts walking and we start walking towards Christ. And when we start walking towards Christ, what happens if all of a sudden either the leader lets go or the disciple lets go, all of a sudden they still have so many habits, they're not at the place where their life is disciplined yet, and so all of a sudden they'll just go right back to what they've known before, and they'll keep walking in circles. They're not getting anywhere. But a disciple is where a believer has now taken that person by the hand, and they keep walking after God until until the steps start to become disciplined. So even if the leader backs out of the way, they, they're not walking in circles anymore, but they will not stop their pursuit of walking towards Christ. This is now a disciplined believer that keeps going after God no matter what anybody else around them does. Thank you, sir. This is, so what, how do you get to that place? You know, one of the things is we started saying, Lord, how can I take somebody... A lot of times when I'm teaching, I'm, I'm teaching and thinking and preaching from my point of view. But I've been born again since I was seven years old. It's been a long time. There's a lot of stuff that I used to do. I've forgotten now. And so we started thinking, not everybody's in that position. Some people have, are in their 40s, same age as me, and have never known Jesus. They don't know his ways. They don't know one scripture. They've never been into a church. How do you take that person from there and bring them up into the ways of God, which will take them into those places of abundance? And so we started asking the question, what are some things that that person would need to know? And man, that list just, I'm talking about elementary things, but it just kept growing and growing and growing, I went, oh my goodness, we've got our hands on something here. So we are designing right now a course. Now these, this is not like the depths of the doctrines of God and stuff like that. This is just to take a believer from knowing nothing or maybe just a little bit or even if they know a lot and show them the foundations of how to live a victorious Christian life with all of the elements that are important to it. And so we want, what we're designing right now is a video school, so a video academy where we literally step a person through and they start taking chunks at a time and learning and growing in that discipleship where, and then this can be shared all over the world. It's not something we're trying to keep for ourselves. We, it can be shared and people can say you can go over that whatever we call it at the time, Boomerang Bible Academy and you can grow from knowing nothing to start walking where you're laying hands on the sick and seeing them delivered right on the street. You're winning souls and making disciples where abundance starts to manifest in your life. That's what that's going to be about and we're working on that this year. All right, looking also at Impact University. Now here's where we get into the depth, Impact. Yeah. 
Ain't got any students in here? Glory to God. Impact University, where you can get a degree, associates, bachelors, even a master's degree, and grow in the things of God, grow in your depth of God. Uh, if you're after a degree, you can get one. But here's what's most important to me. In Christ is life. And, the, and I'm, was it not like this uh, past Tuesday? Man, the life of God was poured out here in impact. I mean, you could feel the anointing of God and people receiving the life of God in the class this Tuesday. It was awesome. Impact is growing. I mean, I'm watching people grow. And uh, I love one of my favorite testimonies, Miss Natalie. She comes into impact. She'd been in boomerang for a couple years learning who she is. She started realizing some things about faith. Started praying for people, doctors saying they can't be healed. Miss Natalie prays for them, they get healed. You know, it's just, why? She's not a pastor. She's not a, a ordained minister. She's just a believer who's learned who she is and learned to let that go. And we have those testimonies all throughout in people that are going to impact. It's awesome. Every Tuesday night. Uh, leadership training. In abundance, we're teaching people all over the world. I was teaching it in the Philippines. Uh, teaching people in leadership how to apply godly leadership to grow their business or their organization. Recently, I was invited to teach this leadership at a company. That company right now is about to expand all over the world. And not only that, but the people who own the company are pastors. They want to take the company. And then that leadership training, which is all Bible... It goes straight into there and they want to start churches every place where their company has a, has a business set up. All over the world. Country. How many countries are they looking at? As many as will take them. And it, it could literally open up to practically every country. So we're seeing, Lord, open up doors to take the gospel just simply through leadership. Not only that, but we want to teach even the, the person who walks in here brand new how to be a leader so that as they move up in the ranks of their corporation in abundance, now they can bring the principles of God and the glory of God because they know how to lead. They know how to lead business. They know how to lead a ministry. So we're teaching that. Along those same lines, every uh, quarter we're having pastors forums here where we feed pastors in the area where they come in and we'll bring in pastors who have years and years of experience and we handle the issues that they're going through and we teach on more leadership and see some things and pastors are able to take their churches and their ministries and go to another level. Just this week, I had a pastor and we went and sat down uh, for breakfast. We're fasting. I didn't eat, but uh, what they had looked really good. And, uh, but anyway, we're sitting and man, it's like the Holy Ghost is just pouring out of me. And that pastor is just receiving, receiving, receiving. And his whole ministry goes up. So now see, we're not just affecting this body. We're affecting bodies of believers all over the area through these pastor's forums. Another thing that's on the on the rise, we just gotta we just gotta basically uh, pay for it. Is the soul winning app where in we produce an app where people can literally go on that app, watch videos, learn how to be a good soul winner, learn some of the things that we do and the ease of it. They can watch different ways of winning, find the thing that suits them, and then here's what's cool: they'll be able to put in. They don't have to go to Boomerang. I'm not just talking about that. All over the world, they'll. 
they'll be able to put in, hey, I just led so-and-so to the Lord. It's already connected to my church. So as soon as I put their name, email, and text uh, their mobile number in here, it starts communicating with them on how to connect to their church and get them plugged in and made as a disciple. And if they need it, they can then connect to the Boomerang Bible Academy and start growing that disciple from the, from the ground up. So these are things that we're working on right now to help encourage people to win souls all over the world. This is happening right here at Boomerang. Here's the other thing, partnership. There's people we have literally all over the world now in 10 years where they're saying, I see what you're doing, Boomerang, and I've got to be a part of that. Just like the people sowed into Paul's ministry and said, I've got to be a part of what's going on there because I see the importance in the kingdom of God. And what that does then is it also opens up to them to receive some of the teaching and the training. Many people all over the world, I've had them call and all of a sudden the the Lord starts having me pour into their lives and their business takes off. Uh, they're able to you know, make this profit or their church. All of a sudden they learn what to do. What is God saying to do? And it's because they've partnered with the ministry. So Boomerang, you're not just touching the people here. You are literally right now touching people all over the world and literally sent us. You know, This past year, I was on the other side of the world in the Philippines and Nigeria preaching the gospel over 600 souls one in just one trip over there. And I mean the power of God shaking leaders of those churches, shaking the leaders in such a tangible way. Like I said last week, the one pastor who was like the senior pastor, he goes, he gets his wife, he gets his kids, he gets his grandkids, says, come pray for my whole family. Like I don't let people just do that. I got to know it's the Lord. This is what I'm talking about. Boomerang, these are the things you're doing in this 10 years. And then the last one and one of the greatest ones yet, Victory Nights. Victory Nights right now where we're stepping into these communities every couple of months. And we're, we're stepping into these communities. We're reaching the unchurched. We're not just, you know, a lot of churches in America, what happens is a new church opens up and all the disgruntled people from the last church go to the new church. And after about two years, they figure out that the pastor is either a weakling and it's going to go under or they figure out that he's got a backbone and so they leave disgruntled again. That's the pattern. That's the truth. And uh, so, and then all of a sudden, so I've been praying for 20 years. Father, how do we add to the church in this day and age? How do we add to the church and not just swap people around? And over a, a um, prayer and time, over 20 years, it just bugged me because I didn't really see growth. What I saw was diminishing in the church. I saw it just diminishing. And how do we grow this thing? And the Lord, by listening to him about souls, souls was a key to it all. By listening to him about that and discipleship and doing the work, he showed us a plan and a strategy to reach out into these communities. We reached into Rockwell and we reached 50 people there that committed to Christ. We reached into Norwood, gave over 170 turkeys away. Over 250 people committed to Christ. We 
reached into Troy. Now look, we're not just about growing boomerang and having people fill our seats. We're looking at growing the kingdom of God, whether we ever see that or not. Our heart is for His kingdom, not for our kingdom. And we reach into Troy and over 300 people get uh, born again there. We give a a toy to uh, all the kids, 12 and under there. They all walk away with a toy at Troy Toy Fest. But here's the great part. We don't just leave them there. We go back into that community. We start having a life group there and a Bible study where those people can start to connect. And the people who were once unchurched, the ones who desire to grow up in the things of God and go after it, we're giving them an easy path for them to step into and become a part of the body of Christ. Now I'm telling you, This is a task and a mighty task and a work, but we've got to be diligent. We've got to be okay with doing the work, giving of ourselves, our time, our talents, our resources. We have to give of ourselves to fulfill these things of God. I want to talk as I wrap up here just about the history of how we got to 10 years. I know I'm taking longer than I said, but I'm the pastor and it's my birthday. So... um, (laughs) Around 1981, I was about eight years old, I felt a call of God to preach. I didn't know it. I'm eight years old. I don't understand everything that's going on. But I knew inside my heart was a call to minister. And around 11, about three years later, I knew that that was probably, although I didn't understand the terminology then, I would say today, around 11, I felt the call to pastor Like not, you know, I just knew pastor. I knew as a shepherd. And then from that period of time, I had people all my life saying, well, you just got a shepherd's heart. You got a pastor's heart. And they didn't know me from anybody else, but they would just say, yeah, that, you know, you're a, you have a shepherd's heart. And they were right. I would say, I was like, I would just have something for people, a heart for people to serve them. And then, you know, in 1999, I met my lovely wife. And we got married in, well, we met in 96, 95 we met, and then we dated in 96. And 99 we got married, and uh, that began as an adult, the calling of God. And one of the things, we didn't fully understand it, but we felt very clear at that time that we were to move away from Greensboro. Well, we didn't know part of what the Lord was doing was getting us away from everything we knew. And we didn't have any money. And uh, so entertainment was not a whole lot of it. So basically it was Nicole and I sitting around staring at each other (laughs) in an ugly house that didn't have much heat. So we had to stay close and generally in one room. So I'm glad we liked each other. And uh, but it was there that the Lord started pouring out on both of us together. And where I had grown in so many things as a child we began to grow equally yoked together as a couple. And that's what we needed to do. And we started to feel the call of God on our lives and started to minister in in different ways that he called us to. And then he started drawing our hearts towards Albemarle. And in 2005, he sent us to Albemarle and we knew that we were supposed to minister. In 2006... Uh, I was at a prayer meeting, you know, a house of love and prayer. And I was at a prayer meeting. And all of a sudden, the Lord downloads 
that gift of pastor on me. I can tell you where I was. I know where I was standing. And I know what it felt like. Pretty much like this for five minutes. <laughs> like, it felt like a download. It was crazy. And um, when I came out of that moment, all the people that were in my church at that time, I looked at them differently. I had a heart for them that I didn't have five minutes ago. Something was different. And I saw and I wanted to serve them to the best of my ability. Now granted, the best of my ability at that time, hopefully, is not the best of my ability today. And I made mistakes along the way and missed it and messed up. But I always tried to do it the best that I knew how. And then in 2007, I found myself, after being separated by the Holy Ghost for the call of ministry and pastoring, I found myself not pastoring, but cleaning up urinals and toilets that had been not cleaned in years. It took weeks to get those toilets clean. Scrubbing every week. That's no kidding. They were nasty. And that's the time when you wonder, like, did I hear that right? But that's the time when you say, you know what, this is what serving is. On whatever level you have to serve. So right after this great and mighty move of God, the thing I've been waiting on since I was eight, and I'm separated as a pastor. I'm not pastoring, I'm cleaning urinals. Lovely. I can remember one time a guy, this was before that, some years before that, I was at a, a tent meeting and there was a pastor there who was a younger pastor, but at least he was a pastor and I wasn't. And um, he was braggadociously talking about talking about how he never lets anybody in his pulpit unless they clean his toilets. And uh, I was sitting there hungering so much to just be used by the Lord. I was like, Lord, I'll clean his toilets. And he said, call them. This is not the cleaning toilets in 2007. This was probably like 2003. He said, call them and tell them. And so I called them up and I said, uh, I said, pastor, I said, I just want to serve the Lord. And you said nobody could preach in your pulpit unless they clean your toilets, which he probably shouldn't have said that. And this was how the Lord corrected him. (laughs) But I said, (laughs) I said, Pastor, I said, I just want to know when can I clean your toilets? And he said, oh, I never did get to clean his toilets or preach in his pulpit, but I was willing to. Because I wanted to serve the Lord and however he wanted me to serve. And I didn't care what it meant. And that carries on to this day. But in 2007, you know, you may have a call on your life, but you've got to step through the things that the Lord wants you to step through. One of the things I've really found out about these last few years is, in 10 years, one of the biggest points that I can take away is a lot of people... A lot of people will be, they would think that the hardest time to serve the Lord is when they don't have anything. And I would disagree with that. I think the hardest time on your flesh is not when you don't have anything. Because in that moment, your Lord's, the Lord's really your only choice. And you don't, what are you going to pull from? I think the hardest time on your flesh to 
serve the Lord is when you do have something. Because it's in those moments that you have to keep that hunger and humility to keep going forward or else you'll lose it. And you'll lose momentum. You'll actually go backwards. Those are, and so I think in 10 years what he's taught us is preparing us for the next 10 years. That when we have something that starts this year, like, I mean, we have something now, but it's nothing compared to what the Lord's bringing this year, this year, that we'll know how to stay in hunger and humility to keep it. And I needed to go through that process because all of us think that if we're just given all the success of, of, you know, that the Lord can give us, that everything will just be hunky-dory from that time out, but that's not true. It's not true at all. You've got to learn that I've got to learn how to maintain no matter what I see or how I feel, be it good or bad. And keeping it is just as big. Think about how much bigger it is to keep it than to just have a short flash in the pan. Because if you keep it, it can multiply upon itself and grow exponentially. So then how important is it to keep it by staying in hunger and humility? And then you see the exponential growth of God, Him multiplying in ways that you can't fathom. So you've got to know how to keep it in the good times and the bad. And that's probably one of the biggest lessons I've been meditating on this past week. But in this 10-year period of time, He's taken us through some things. And uh, 2007... You know, here I am cleaning the toilets and the urinals. And just because you have a call from God doesn't mean that it's going to play out the way your flesh thinks it's going to play out. But God's got a plan. And in due time, you will reap. He is always leading you to triumph. He is always leading you. The question is, are you holding on to his hand? Are you drawing back to the circles of going nowhere in life? You got to hold on to his hand. And that means you stay humble and you serve. And... So in that time as we continued, you've all got calls on your life for different things. And sometimes it feels like you're not doing what you're called to do. But you just keep doing what, where you're at. Keep planted. Don't get frustrated. Don't get frustrated. Don't let go. Just keep planted where God has planted you. Because in that soil is all the nutrients you need to be the tree that produces the eternal fruit that He's called you to produce. Whether it be business or ministry... You just stay planted. And if there's a success to Boomerang over 10 years, it's we just kept planted in Boomerang when we didn't feel like it. And that's been a lot of times. A lot of times. So think about that 2,586 people who they might not even you know, be happy about what happened to them this year by receiving Christ. They might not be happy in the way that we would want them to. But think about how they're going to be in eternity. Yeah. Yeah. Would it be worth it to them then that we stayed planted? Right. No matter what it looked like or what it felt like. So then in 2008 in prayer the Lord started The Holy Ghost started breathing into our spirit a new church. And as we prayed out, the name Boomerang Church came to us. And y'all know, most of you know, I went, Boomerang Church? Certainly you do not want to call this church Boomerang Church. (laughs) He didn't answer me. And I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. That generally means that was the wrong question. (laughs) Certainly you don't want to call this Boomerang Church. 
We went down to y'all's church to Rockfish in Fayetteville and Pastor Dan Stanley there. Such a blessing to us. And we went to their pastor's class for four weeks in a row just to watch and listen and see what they were doing. And it was awesome. And still to this day, uh, what they imparted into us is a part of what you received today. So tell him I said thank you again. It's a great honor. And uh, in the first week of 2009, I spent it alone upstairs in our house in fasting and prayer and fellowship with God uh, leading up to our first service. And it was in that week that he spoke this to my spirit. Boomerang will be a new direction for Albemarle. Boomerang will be a new direction for Albemarle. That means for each one of your lives sitting here today uh, that Boomerang will help take your life in a new direction. That word is still alive today as it was 10 years ago. It will be a new direction for your life. Even if your life is heading in a good direction, it's still taking you forward and upward today as you give yourself to that planting. Will be a new direction. And then on Sunday, January 11, 2009, Boomerang had its first service ever in the grandiose location of our living room. And we were there for a little over a year. How long? 14 months. She can generally give you the day and the hours in our house. And we stayed there for a year and we had 10 attenders basically the whole year. There was practically no growth, which a lot of people would say, well, if it's not growing, it's dead. Well, we were growing. It was just spiritually, but it wasn't in numbers. We just gave ourselves to the foundational time. And then we moved to our first building in 2010. It was the YMCA Pavilion Building and uh, used to be a skating rink years ago. And we stayed there for about a year. And then we moved into our first home, 328 South 1st Street at the Paramount Building. And we were there for six years after only being promised three months. So they had told us, uh, you can have this building for three months. And I said, Lord, I don't want to give up one building that's working to move into a building for three months and then be homeless. And uh, he said, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. Move. And uh, I said, okay. And But all we had promised, they were trying actively to sell that building. And they would have sold it out from under us in a second if they could have. And, uh, but we were only promised three months. And, uh, but God gave us six years in that building. And it was such a blessing. And uh, we experienced tests. And trials and treacherous things and heartbreak, but also we experience the glory and healings and miracles and salvation, Holy Ghost baptism, and the sense that we've been obedient to the Lord's call. Then in 2017, while we were still at the old building, God gave us a new vision a house of love and prayer, living in abundance, winning souls, and making disciples for Jesus. And then things immediately turned up. And I mean, the glory of God just started pouring out. And we had the least amount of adults we'd had since we started growing at that moment. We had been pruned. And, uh, and it was, didn't feel good to the flesh, but it was what we needed. And the power of God visited us that year like we had not seen before. It was stronger than it had ever been before in so many different ways. 
And when we came, when we've been pruned, we all came together in unity. And this is a thing for us going forward, is that we are called to be in unity. For there the Lord commands the blessing in Psalms 133. And then immediately everything turned up and within a few months we were in this new location. Glory to God. And today God is doing phenomenal things around the world through the ministry of Boomerang Church right here in little old Albemarle, North Carolina. And uh, I've found that God does big things in little places. If people would just be obedient, be willing and obedient. And one thing I would share with you is we had our foundation in 2009. And that foundational time went from 2009 until 2016, the end of 2016. And I didn't want to spend that much time in foundation time. But at the end of that time, the Lord gave us the vision of who we are, what we were doing, and how we were doing it. I'd never been so confident in who we were called to be and what God had called us to do and how we were supposed to do it until 2017. It was so clear. And it's so. And from the Word, He showed us exactly who we were to be. It was so it was biblical. It was clear to us. And we knew who we were called. And we saw this little bump up that year. It was a big bump. But then in 2018, last year, we saw a great big bump up in who we were and what we were called to be. And now you heard, if you didn't hear the message last week, you need to hear the message from last week. The Lord has opened up a great big door of ministry this year. And this is the year for us to do the work and thrust in the sickle and reap the harvest. It's not just work, it's the harvest as well. Along with the thrusting of the sickle and the work is the harvest. And this is our year of manifestation, our 10th year. And things are changing even as we speak. The power of God is releasing great and mighty things. And we are doing those things that God God's called us to be. In 10 years, we truly are being a new direction for Albemarle. And now the region is being changed by uh, things that we are doing here. And around the world, the life of God and fire of God is being imparted by you being here as a part of this ministry and being planted. And we just praise God for what he's done and what he's doing. And moving truly into a house of love and prayer, living in abundance, winning souls, and making disciples for Jesus. It's who we are. Happy birthday, Boomerang. I love you. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to serve you just as servants of the Lord. We appreciate you, love you, and we believe in you and what you're called to be. Amen. Amen. Amen.